Hello, I'm James. Hi, I'm Jimmy. Welcome to A Job Done Well, the podcast about the world of work and how to improve the daily grind. Good morning. How's your week been? All right. Yeah, not bad, James. Not bad at all. So getting back into the swing of January. Yeah, no, I've got a great story about Tesla designing processes for... Uh, not for customers, that's for sure, but we'll come on to that later. And I spent one of the days this week nursing a, a sixth daughter who's 20 years old. So yeah, even though they leave home, they never, never leave you really, do they? She still wants her daddy. My daughters never want their daddy. Anyway, so my week, uh, equally fraught, I am in constant debate with three about a Wi-Fi router. But we shall come to that later as well. So what we're talking about this week? Today, we are going to discuss the age-old battle between cost savings and service qualities. So the hypothesis is you can't get both. Yeah. Or can you? Yeah. I think intuitively people want both. There's often a clash and there's only ever one winner in that clash. Yeah. Spoiler alert, it's always cost. Yeah. Um, We're going to spend a bit of time understanding why that is the case. How you can think differently about the balance between cost and quality, but also, most importantly, how do you unlock prize? How do you get the best of both worlds? Ah, very good. Should be interesting. So there's that old adage, isn't there? You know, a sign up on a, on a store. We offer three types of service, cheap, fast, and good. Pick any two. Cheap and fast, it won't be good. Fast and good, sure ain't cheap. And cheap and good isn't fast. And, you know, it's a nice little adage, and we believe it, but I think we limit our thinking. So, yeah, I think, you know, invariably we end up focusing on on cost for a number of reasons. Cost is quite tangible, and, you know, you can measure it really easily and clearly, whereas service, and certainly the direct link between the service that organisations and teams provide and an organisation's profit, um, is much more harder to, to measure. So you've got this situation where organisations are challenged often or are really focused on delivering their budgets and costs can be clearly traced to those budgets and service and quality often can't. So that's one of the reasons. I th- think also it cost has an, an immediacy. You know, you need to hit m- numbers for this year's budget. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and so I think you can... Yeah, you can measure it and you can see it in the numbers straight away. Yeah, well, people will be talking about it already now, won't they? Yeah, exactly. What's, you know, what's the cost and budget for 2024? Absolutely. You know, what are the projects you're going to do to hit that? I think also a lot of management is about delivery. So, you know, you want to get results. And actually, the nuance of balancing service and cost is, is, is a little bit more complicated. And, you know, ultimately, I think the... One of the challenges, though, is that, that people then feel like a cost. You know, so, Well, in most service industries, they are the yeah, cost. exactly. So as soon as you start focusing as an organisation or as a team or as a business unit, whatever, on cost, you make people uncomfortable because they feel that they are that cost. Absolutely. And, and often, you know, cost is also counter the, the purpose of the organisation. Oh, I totally agree. And I think the problem is... People think their job as manager is to reduce costs, and it's not at all. Because, yeah, you're not there to reduce costs, you're there to provide the service. But there are a couple of um, really trite sayings, aren't there? You know, you see it on posters on walls, you know, good service costs less. 
oh, what the hell does that mean? And then the other one, I was working with a consultant once, and he said to me, if you chase costs, it will run away from you, which is a bit more of an opaque sort of statement. But what does that mean? Why is it that people get so confused about money? I think, you know, organisations do need financially to be successful to survive. They need profit. They need to make money. That's the, the lifeblood of organisations. And I think that can be a, a little bit of a dirty word, but that is the reality that a lot of organisations focus on. So I guess you get the, the draw to focus on the money and the outcome rather than what's the service that you are providing, what's the products that you're providing, and do your customers really need them and do you understand the customers? So people don't focus as much on those aspects, they just focus on the money. Oh, absolutely. And there was, um, I worked with a guy once, he said to me, you know, no top line, no bottom line. So worrying about your cost is a bit futile. Really worry about are you getting the money from the customer in the first place? And the way you do that, obviously, is by providing the right product or service. Exactly. And that whole thing, you know, if you chase cost, it will run away from you. So, oh, my three story, just dreadful. So they send me a router and I don't like the router. The router doesn't work. And then, of course, I try to send the router back and then they don't send me the DPD linked so I can send the router back and then they tell me that they haven't received the router and I'm just going round and round this hellhole and the reality is they've outsourced the bit of customer service which deals with the first call they've outsourced the bit of customer service that deals with the logistics they've outsourced their um, actual moving of stuff about the vans bit they've outsourced the service bit where they deal with the box when it comes back to them and each one of these little bits is no doubt very tightly controlled from a cost perspective but because they don't talk to each other the whole thing just gets a whole lot more expensive so that's what i think it means when you know if you chase the costs you need to look at the whole thing rather than just an individual bit of it i had exactly the same experience with virgin media when they upgraded my router and i had to send it back chasing around wasting time i think it just does shut the focus there is on cost yeah it, it, it isn't on the customer. They're quite happily, you know, wasting your time and pissing you off, as Virgin did with me. To them, they think that's costing them less. Oh, and they're getting confused between efficiency and effectiveness. So uh, there was a guy, Peter Drucker, he once said, there was nothing so useless as doing efficiently that which should not be done at all. But we get into this whole mire of saying, this task that we're doing, we must do it as cheaply as possible. But is it actually the right task? So I think really thinking about effectiveness is far more important than thinking about efficiency. Yeah, and I think that's the, the thing is, you, you know, you can drive blindly into efficiency, but that drives, you know, often drives counter behaviours in terms of effectiveness. So I think you know, if you're thinking about it, effectiveness first, efficiency second. Yeah, totally agree. And then the other thing you do is you get this sort of blinkered one-dimensional thinking where people see it almost like some sort of graphic equaliser. You know, if you push costs down, service quality goes down. Whereas if you push service quality up, cost goes up. And it's not like that at all. And it's just this huge blinkered approach to management driven by short-term financial commitments. And it is, like you say, that is hugely simplified in terms of the more you improve service, the more it costs. And, you know, so that just leads to really simple thinking around just save cost. It's the whole story about the cheeseless pizza, isn't it? 
it's really easy to save money if you're um, working in a pizza company. All you do is you send out the pizza and you just take a little bit of cheese off the top because cheese is the expensive bit. So, you know, one year you take 10% cheese off the top and you hit your budget. And the next year you take 10% cheese off the top and you hit the budget. And before you know it, you've ended up with a cheeseless pizza. Totally missing the point. And um, I can't help but think some redundancy programs are exactly the same. Because it's much easier to sack 100 people than work through all the interactions that you need to do to improve service quality. You're right. It is kind of lazy thinking, if you like. So I, I have done programs where I've reduced capacity out of organisations, knowing that people will adapt their systems and they will cope with it. It's a blunt instrument. You just take the capacity out and everyone will find better ways of working. Well, that's not really optimising performance or optimising your cost. Yeah. And then what about the other side of the coin? Well, I think a number of organisations focus on, on, on the customer. They get very evangelical about it. And it's just purely, again, one-dimensional thinking. Delight the customer. Cost doesn't matter. You know, and you'll go around organisations and you'll see slogans everywhere. The customer is king. Put the customer at the heart of everything you do. Yeah, yeah. I'm always a bit sceptical about those. It's a bit like when you go to somebody's house and they say, they've got a poster on the wall which says, we believe that pe killing people is bad. You've got to wonder whether or not what they really believe. Exactly. But, you know, the thing is, unless you are thinking about both and getting a more balanced way of thinking about performance, it's equally as bad. I just think that often organisations go down the cost route because it's easy, simple, tangible, immediate. You need it now for your budgets. Other organisations have this aspiration to be more customer-focused. And then they just go off the rails the other way, getting no balance. So what does good look like then? What, do you, what does good quality look like? Good quality, it really depends on the organisation. But I do think that often, to your point about the increased service, it increases cost in a, in a linear fashion. I, I don't think that's correct, but I don't think that most people want Rolls-Royce service. I think people want Ron Seal service. They want service that does what it says. If you're, if you're getting a, a router, you want your Wi-Fi to work. If you're getting your car fixed, you want your car fixed. You know, I think we think all of the bells and whistles are required to, to give good service. I don't think that is necessarily what um, people are, are looking at. I think it is important to understand and meet those customer needs. And I think you have to be curious and, and innovative in order to do that. And what, by that, I mean, really learn and be open-minded about what your customer's thinking. And we've talked about this previously from a, a quantitative and qualitative basis. So looking at what the numbers and data tells you, but also talking to customers and understanding them. So I think you've got to be curious equally. You've got to be thinking about what they really need as well. And they won't always tell you or, or won't always know good example of that is the um the ipad yeah there was no way that people were sitting there thinking i want something that is smaller than my laptop and bigger than my phone no. you know but steve jobs had hit upon absolute genius he created that niche yeah. that you, you know your customer not always going to tell you exactly what they need so you, you have to let's say as well as understanding being open and curious about it you have to kind of think innovatively at times as well yeah and there's the whole thing, this sort of U-shaped chart. We've talked about this a lot of times. 
But if you think about cost versus quality, it's not a linear relationship. It's more of a U-shape. So what do I mean by that? Well, if you start giving people quality that they don't need, then your costs go up unnecessarily. You know, so if you start, I don't know, giving people a bouquet of flowers when you service their car, you can start banging cost in to delight the customer. But you're just giving them giving away stuff. Customers don't want it. But likewise, if you go to the other side of the equation, you can start to pull cost out. But if you just pull cost out, you just generate rework and customer dissatisfaction rises. And individually, it might look like it's cheaper, but you can be sure as hell it's not. So the lowest cost to operate is where you're giving the customer exactly what they want, nothing more, nothing left. So the question is, how do you find that sweet spot? And how do you get to the point where you're delivering projects which give you that? Because that will take cost down. I think just building on, on your point there, though, James, I think I, I did have an, an operation once where they had a lot of capacity yeah. and we need to take some of the cost out. And when I was talking to the, the guy who was running the operation, he it took me around and said, like, where, where are the people sitting around doing nothing? Because everyone was really busy. The point was they were doing a whole load of extra tasks, really gold-playing everything. And you've got to ask yourself, as a, as a customer, would you want to pay for that? So if everyone else put a, a note on a file when a customer rang up that said, James called to find out where his route was, that's it. In this organisation, they would write down every word that was said and you don't need a verbatim text of a phone conversation to get the key message across. So they were gold-playing stuff they yeah. didn't need to do. Customers don't want don't to want pay it. for it. And that's, again, to your U-shaped sweet spot. That's the, the, the point. You know, Customers have to pay, ultimately, through the prices of, of products. You've got a, a really nice slide, James, that you, you know, did that really shows that U-shape and the sweet spot and the issues with high cost and low service and uh, high service and high cost i think we should try and uh, put that on our website so people can go and have a look at that yeah that, can do that you know, feel free to to um download it download it and borrow it because it is it is really useful in this sort of discussion and then there's like a an academic perspective to it as well right so it trust sounds, you trust yeah, you like to bring in this is, this is where you're in, in your element yeah we'll get the plonky bit in a minute don't you worry you'll get your time so the whole thing is if you focus on speed of service, you will make things cheaper. People think, well, I can't do that because I need to put more people in to make things faster. But that's not the point, right? The point is time costs money. Yeah. So the fastest you, faster you can do something to an acceptable quality, the cheaper it becomes because you have fewer people standing about and less handoffs and less rework. So that's the real trick really is to find out how you can deliver something quickly without investing in extra people because it's all about stripping the things that go wrong out of the system. Go on then, give us your less academic view of how you do it. I think on a, a more practical basis, you've got this situation where you, you, you do projects to try and improve service or you do projects to try and save money. Um, and actually, I think it's like a, a Venn diagram those two overlap and they overlap a lot more than you might think so this is how we view it how you actually get that balance between service and cost so this is i want to have my cake and eat it well look at those projects and find the projects that do both deliver improved service and save money i've had a brainwave 
Go on. You've got a slide on this as well. We could put that on the website too. We could get, give that a go. Absolutely. A go. It's not but I think as pretty as mine, is it? It's nowhere near as pretty yeah. as yours. But I think that the, the point is, in terms of service-only projects, good examples is where you see organisations, they go really over the top with apologies when they get things wrong. So your car's late from the being repaired at a garage. Instead of just either getting it right first time and getting it delivered to when it's something, you know, sometimes stuff happens and you know, will be late. Instead of just managing your expectations and making an apology, they'll send you bunches of flowers. I don't want a bunch of flowers. I want you my car, your back. car back. Yeah, yeah. And if you're not going to get my car back, apologize. But also another good example of where things go wrong. Um, we got sent a rug recently and it was damaged and uh so they sent us another one and we said yeah do you want us to return the, the first one and said no keep it which on the face of it sounds well, that's that's great yeah, yeah, you know who's paid for the rug who's paid for the rug yeah. what margins are you making that you can just yeah. leave me with a rug oh by the way the rug's damaged i don't actually need it so now i've got the problem of, of getting, getting rid of a rug. a rug that was no good so over the top apologies over the top trying to put things right they are to improve service. They don't actually drive any any value. Can I chip in on the other side of the equation then? Yeah. Projects which are done to, to reduce costs. For a while, we were res responsible for printing in an organization. And um, there was a big cost pressure. And so all the photocopiers, it was decided that we would everything would have to be printed out um, dual-sided. Yeah. And also no color copies no color copies unless you got a um vice president or whatever the hell they were called to sign it off so of course you never went to get color copies but this was a major financial institution yeah as an analyst i'd be printing out charts with graphs and colors and you know this one's very light gray and this one's mid gray and this one's dark gray and people are making decisions on charts where they can't see what color the flipping chart is so that was the first thing you know how much money did we save versus how much did we lose because people didn't understand what they were looking at but the one that really got me was I got sent by HR my year-end appraisals for all my staff. So I printed them out, and of course, they were all printed out double-sided. So then I couldn't really, you know, give Jimmy Barber his appraisal note, or well, James Lawler's on the other side, could I? So then I stood there photocopying so that I could get them individual pieces of paper. So although the cost of the printing went down, the whole thing was a, de it was a debacle. Yeah, I think the other other good examples yeah, are, well. as we touched on, you know, just removing capacity, you know, making a load of people redundant and hoping that people will figure out ways of improving uh, their processes or designing digital processes with just cost savings in mind, not thinking about the customer. I mean, I mentioned earlier, I just got my car um, serviced by Tesla and uh, clearly designed by a load of engineers uh, in terms of their processes. But everything is, is automated. But the bit that perplexed me was they would send me an email and a text guiding me towards their app where I could read the message. They were obviously high-fiving because nobody had had to call me and speak to me, so they hadn't had to use a person. But yeah, really, you as a customer had to get your text and what? your email and your app. Why do I need three messages yeah, well, to tell them my car's ready? Oh, well, the connection. answer is that's very straightforward. You're a bit thick, aren't you? That's the Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's, that's the way it made me feel for sure. Yeah. So I think you've got a, a series of service-only projects, a series of cost-only projects, and you can see how the risk of both is that they are very one-dimensional. Whereas if you look at projects that improve both service and cost, it's not a difficult thing to consider. 
you know, examples might be cutting out unnecessary contacts. Customers don't necessarily want to contact their organization all the time. Get it right first time. Your example around three, you don't want to be speaking to three, so just get the, the, the delivery right, and then you don't have to. So removing waste, and waste is unnecessary contacts that customers don't want, and they cost, cost organizations money. So also getting customers talking to the right people. Yeah. Customers want to talk to people who can get the job done, decision makers, people who are empowered to do the job. That reduces cost. It also improves service for the customers because they're talking to the right people. And also digital projects where you, you, you think what the customer needs. So I was working in uh, one organization and we wanted customers to um, apply for their claims online. And the way of doing it, we sat down and talked to customers and co-designed the processes. And everyone said it would take a year to get customers to sign up to this. We got 95% of customers doing it that way within three months because we had designed it to make it easy for them. That reduced our cost. It also improved customer satisfaction because it made it easy for them. So thinking about both the cost impact and the service impact of projects and only doing those projects that tick both those boxes, that's the way of getting the balance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally agree. So then I suppose that comes to the, well, how do you find those opportunities? And we talked about this in one of our previous episodes, but really just go and talk to your staff, go and listen to some calls, go and see what your customers have to put up with. Because if you do that, where the waste is becomes really, really obvious. Then the other thing that I think is really important is if you've got to cut costs and you can, let attrition take the cost out for you. Because turkeys don't vote for Christmas, going around with a big hatchet and trying to get people enthusiastic about projects to cut costs is really hard work. If you can make them safe, then they'll be in a much better place to help you identify those opportunities. I think that's right, James. Um, I was looking at outsourcing once. We um, outsourced some work to India, but the team in the UK never passed the work over. And when we and talked about it because they didn't feel safe. They thought that if they passed the work over, they'd lose their jobs. Exactly. So as soon as we explained to them that's not what the intention was, then they all passed the work over and they worked with the team in India as a, a as, as an extension of their team. But it's only because they felt safe. Yeah. So there you go, cost versus quality. So how are we going to summarise that? Well, I think we've talked today about why people focus on cost rather than quality because it's immediate and tangible and easy yeah focus on giving your customer exactly what they want nothing more nothing less because if you do that you'll get to the lowest cost position and when you're looking at projects and this doesn't have to be big projects it can be small improvement projects whatever you're doing to improve how you work look at the impact on cost and service and do the the, the projects that tick both boxes and if you can't find things or you're not sure what to do, yeah, really go and have a look. Go and look what goes on on your shop floor. You will be amazed. And if you really can't find anything, give us a ring and we'll come and show you because it's um, fascinating stuff. Hopefully you've enjoyed today's episode. If you have, please share it with someone else. Follow the show online and drop us a review. And we'll look forward to uh, seeing you all next week. Have a great week, everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Have a good week. If you'd like to find out more about how James and I can help your business, then have a look at our website, jobdonewell.com.